So, um, if you haven't been uh, with us or if you miss a couple of our Sundays, we, we, um, we were studying Exodus, um, but somehow we got to Genesis. So, <laughs> it's a long story. I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick recap on it. Uh, but before that, let me just, I want to say apologize because I've been going long these past two Sundays. You guys notice that? I've been going past an hour. Uh, it shouldn't be like that. Uh, you know, and I, and I thank you for being patient and just sitting there, nobody walking out on me or anything like that, which is good. Uh, but I do, I want you to know that I realize that I've been going long. So uh, we're not going to go long today. So just, I know some of you are already waiting to like, oh man, how long is this going to be, an hour and a half today? Uh, no, we're not going to go long. I'm not going to do, a, I'm not going to pull an Apostle Paul on you. You know the Apostle Paul in Acts 20 when he was preaching? He got, into, he got into the preaching so much that he, he went until midnight, right? And then uh, somebody who was sitting by the window, Eutychus fell asleep, and he fell and died. I don't want anybody to die. So, because I don't, have, I don't think I have the power to bring people back to life. Eutychus came back to life. You, you know the story? Uh, I don't know if I have that. So please, don't fall asleep. Uh, I don't want people to die. But anyway, um, back to our study of Exodus. Um, part of the study that we were in in chapter 12 is the study of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, we've been on that for a you know, few weeks now. Um, and there's a couple of things that I wanted to point out to you about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, first of all, uh, it's the, the growth in faith that we ought to have as believers. We're supposed to grow in faith. Uh, that's what that feast rep represents, to, to get rid of leaven in our lives, both externally and internally. Uh, and that growing in faith is a, a, a growing in sensitivity when it comes to our sins and when it comes to the sins around us. So not necessarily to judge other people's sins. Okay, We're not called to be sensitive about that. We're already like that anyway to begin with. Um, so so to, to grow in faith it means that. Are you being more sensitive to your sin. And the other thing that I wanted to point out with that, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is our, uh, our understanding of salvation and how it plays a huge role when it comes to our formal worship services. Um, and I've said this during the past two Sundays, formal worship services, the gatherings that we have here, uh, uh, is, be, is referred to in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, the, the, the worship or the, 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 what do you call that, the convocations, that God commanded them to have a convocation on the first day of the feast and a convocation on the last day of the feast. It points this to what we're doing right now. And the purpose for those uh, convocations is so that they can sit back and enjoy God and remember, commemorate the salvation that he brought them uh, when he took them out of Egypt. Uh, and for us, it's the same thing. Uh, we are here for the purpose of enjoying God commemorating his salvation that he brought us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But somehow along the way, we have lost, uh, in the evangelical world, we have lost that sense of what we're doing every time we worship. Uh, for a lot of people, it's about entertainment. For a lot of people, it's, it's, a, it's a duty. I got to go because it's Sunday. Uh, that's not what it's supposed to be. Uh, and I, I said that um, the reason for this is our shallow understanding and sometimes misunderstanding of salvation, what it means to be saved. Um, that's why our response is so shallow as well, right? Because we don't, we don't get it. We don't, 
we don't realize what it is that God has saved us from and saved us for. Um, that's why our worship is lackluster. You know, some people don't even sing during the sing, you know. Um, and it's hard to see that for, for me anyway as a pastor. Um, I can only imagine what it, like, you know, how God feels um, because he set that day apart uh, just for that. Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath, remember? So um, that's why we're into this study of the basic or the foundation for Christian salvation. Uh, and last week, we began to look at the centrality of salvation. I said last week that salvation from the beginning has been the goal of the whole Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. So both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, salvation is seen. Uh, and the, the main or central character that's holding um, the New Testament and Old Testament together is the central person in the salvation that God brings, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, we also talked about the beginnings of God's redemptive history found in the book of Genesis, how God created everything, including the first human beings, and how Adam and Eve fell into Sin. Right? We're all here today because Adam fell into sin. And I said last week that human beings are what we are today because Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command to not eat of that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Therefore, they started rebellion against God. You saw it in the video, right? The, the influence or the, the sin of Adam was passed on to Cain. So Cain... In his own wisdom, in his own knowledge, decided that, no, my offering is better than my brother's. Who are you to tell me that my offering is not good enough? And that resulted in envy of his brother, which resulted in the murder of his brother. But that's all because of this um, foundational thing that we all have in us, which is we want to be like God, the way Eve Wanted to be like God. That's why she started making decisions even for her husband. That's what uh, happened uh, back in the Genesis after creation. And this is where God's salvation plan began. So there was a domino effect, right? That broke God's design. Um, first, the roles broke, right? God's role versus man broke. It's now it's upside down. We think we're God. We want God to obey us, right? The role between husband and wife broke down, right? Uh, in fact, it, if you read Genesis 3, um, the, the, not the, well, not the curse for Eve, but when God was speaking to Eve, part of it is uh, in Genesis 3, uh, 16. He said to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. This, this next part, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Since roles changed, what God is saying there to, to Eve is, you're going to have this desire to want to overrule your husband. But God said, your quote-unquote curse is no, he's going to rule over you. You see that in marriages nowadays. Right? I'm looking at some, some wives now that do that. 
They want to rule over their husband. They want to overrule their husband. They want to, right? <laughs> Everybody that, all the wives I look at, start, they don't want to look. Um, but that's what, that's the current, that's the thing. That's what happened when sin entered the world. Roles reversed. Um, and so the relationship between man and woman got reversed. The relationship between man and nature, remember I told you? Back in the garden, there were all kinds of wild animals, but they weren't scared to walk around. They weren't going to get eaten by the lion because there was, they were supposed to be ruling over the lions and the tigers. And the, but when sin came in, switched. Now we're scared of, you don't want to go near a snake or a lion, or, right? It's not supposed to be that way. So that's what happened when, when, when Adam and Eve took it upon themselves to um, take that fruit disobey God, therefore making their own rules, wanting to be more like God, or not more like God, but wanting to be God because of the tempter, um, everything in creation broke. Now, um, today, this morning, we're going to take a look at, um, or a closer look at um, what caused all that brokenness, which the Bible simply calls sin. Okay. Um, but what does sin really mean? What does it really mean to be a sinner in the sight of God? For uh, most people, even Christians, to be a sinner is to do bad things. When you do bad things, you're a sinner. Uh, the Bible says no. The reason why you do bad things is because you're a sinner. So let's, let's take a look at that. Um, what does it mean to be a sinner in the sight of God? So as we saw in the video, uh, the biblical definition of sin, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is to fail, to miss a mark or to miss a goal or to lose our direction. That's what it means to sin. So again, if you relate it back to worship, if you come here to worship and all you do is sleep, you're sinning, so to speak. Right? You're not sinning in the sense that you're doing something bad, but you're missing the point of worship. You get what I'm saying? So those of you who are already sleeping, go ahead, you sleep. Right. You're missing the point. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's point. that's why I said the first time I said this is don't even come to, to church. If you want to sleep, then don't sin. Go home. Don't miss the point. Go in your bed. That's not missing the point of sleep. That's resting. But if you come here, you're missing the point if you sleep. So therefore, you're in a way, you're, you're sinning. That's what it means to Sin is to miss the point, lose your direction. If you notice, the video said that to sin or to be a sinner is a failure to be who God created us to be. Uh, in fact, it says it's a failure to be human. What does that mean? Humans were created to be worshipers. We weren't created to be worshipped. But because of sin, a lot of us fail at being human. Humans are supposed to take care of the environment. Guess who's destroying it? Right? So because of sin, we fail to be human. Humans are supposed to be worshiping God. Like the rest of the creation. We're supposed to glorify God. But because of sin, we fail to be human. Um, so it's a failure to 
be who God created us to be, a failure to be human. And I believe that this means that Adam and Eve's failure to be who God created them to be is, first of all, having that desire to be God. Like Satan, right? Satan, the reason why he was kicked out of heaven was because he wanted to be, he wants to take the place of God. Tempted Adam and Eve to do the same thing. Want to take the place of God? Eat this fruit. No good and evil, just like God. So for Adam and Eve, that was it. Failure to be human by taking for themselves a fruit, the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, disobeying God's command, making their own rules, wanting to be like God. And like I said last week, God's command for them to not eat of the fruit is for their own protection. What did I say last week? Over and over again, I said, knowledge is power. At the wrong hands, this power could become devastating. People who created the nuclear bomb had a lot of knowledge, but because of influences and because of sometimes money, they used that knowledge for evil instead of for good. So knowledge is power. So God telling them, don't eat of this fruit, it's not God, you know, um, withholding from them anything good. It's God knowing what's good for them and telling them, this is what's good for you. Trust me. But instead, they trusted the snake. And this is, this is what happened, where we're at. Right? Um, so when God said, don't eat of the fruit, he's not withholding uh, good from them. He's, he's just protecting them. He wants them to stay with him or so that he could, he could provide for them, so that he could protect them, so that he could keep the creation the way it, it should be. Right? Um, because that's what happened um, in Genesis 3. So when Adam and Eve decided to take this power from themselves, uh, again, through Satan's prodding and temptation, Adam and Eve failed. They missed the mark of their existence as human beings. They missed the mark of the warning that God uh, gave them to begin with. They thought that the mark, that the warning was uh, God withholding something good from them. No, that wasn't it. Um, but Satan tempted them to do that. Um, and when they did that, they began to think and be convinced that they are like God, able to make their own rules, able to make, you know, set the standards for what is right and what is wrong able to make their own truths, which ultimately led them to disregard God's command. Ultimately, uh, this is what it means to be a sinner. Uh, being a sinner means having a God complex, or in other words, being convinced of our own sovereignty or power and control over our own lives. And for some of us, even the lives of others, including the whole of creation. So being a sinner does not only mean that we do bad things. Being a sinner means we are convinced that we are the ones who get to determine what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong. That's ultimately what it means to be a sinner. That's why we always try to justify our actions. You know, you know what justify means? Prove right. right? We always do that. No matter how bad our actions are, we try to justify it. When you, when you do an impulse buy, 
You know impulse buying? You just buy for the sake of. What do you try to do when you get home? You feel bad. You shouldn't have bought this. I don't really need another purse. I don't really need another pair of shoes. I don't really need that. You, what do you try to do when you get home? You justify it. Oh, it was on sale. So I saved money. You saved $20. You spent $300. What did you really save? <laughs> right? You justify it. You ate too much. You justify it. It was, it, it was all you can eat. What am I supposed to do? That's why gluttony is a sin. <laughs> am I right? That's because that's what we do. We justify our actions. We make it right even though it's wrong. We are convinced that we, we have that power to justify. We're convinced that we have that power to deem right everything and anything that we want to do. We're convinced of that. And we're convinced, that, we're so convinced of that that it doesn't matter if there's consequences. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. Uh, if it means that we can make our own truths and we can just live out whatever we want to live out as far as our lives are concerned, we will justify whatever it is. Eating, yeah, same thing. Yeah. If you don't watch your diet, you justify it, but slowly it's killing you. Right? You eat too much chicharron bituha, you eat too much... You, uh, that's me. Too much steak, you get gout. Too much cholesterol, you get heart. Right? Your veins get... But you justify those things. Meanwhile, it's killing you. That's why God said, hey, hey, hey. no. <laughs> you don't know. He knows, but we don't trust him. We don't think he's good. We think that he's withholding the, the goodness of Chicharon from us. Uh, no. That's not what God is doing. But we're so convinced that it's been so ingrained in us that we sometimes we just do it without even noticing that we're doing it. We don't, we don't even realize that we're doing it. Right? That's why Romans 8, 7, if you guys check out Romans 8, 7, it says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The mind that is hostile or that is in the flesh is hostile, angry. At God. doesn't want to be with God. Right? It doesn't submit. The reason why is because it doesn't submit to God's law. It doesn't want to submit. Why? Because the mind of a sin sinful person is set or convinced that he or she is God. Get it? This is at the, it's like what I said last week. This is at the root of every evil word. Every harsh word that comes out of our mouths. We think we're more right than the other person. We think we're more, we're like God. We're like sovereign. That's the effect of that, right? We're so convinced that we are our own gods. Check out Romans 1, 19 to 23. We'll just read one of these things. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, uh, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So God, this is God. God is already revealed to us who he is, how powerful he is, how sovereign he is, through the things that were made. What are the things that are made? Trees, the, the sky. The, if you read Genesis 1, that's where animals, us, He's revealed to us how powerful he is, yet 
What does he say in that verse? Let's continue reading. 121. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And treat him like God. In that they didn't give thanks to him. But really, what Paul's trying to get at, they didn't honor him like God because you're not God. Remember Pharaoh? You're not God. I don't know the Lord that I should obey his commands. That's us. <laughs> right? Who's, who's this guy telling me I can't eat chicharron? Telling me I can't do this? Telling me I can't do that? Well, because we think we're God. That's what that says, right? They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they become what? Futile in their thinking, knowledge, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools in 122. The book of Proverbs talks about this. We, our teacher was telling us earlier, right? The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and folly. It's always. Claiming to be wise, we became fools. And what do we do? Exchange the glory of the immortal God for images re resembling mortal man, resembling birds, animals, creeping things. What do we do? Instead of just worshiping God that's who's already revealed himself to us, we said, no, that can't be God because he's restricting me from doing all the things that I want to do. Let me make my own God. Let me make God out of man. Statues. Let me make God out of birds and living creatures. We think we know more. That's, that's at the bottom of this whole dilemma, this whole problem. And that's why this, what I'm doing right now, to some people, it's not going to it's not going to come through. It's not, it's, they're, they're just going to be like, no, that's not what sin is. That's not what he's saying is wrong. Well, my, it's good that you think that way. Okay? It's good to be critical of what you hear because not everything that you hear is going to be true. My encouragement is go look it up for yourself. Study it for yourself and see what I'm trying to say. And hopefully what I'm trying to say is what the Bible is teaching. Right? So, um, because of this, because of sin, human beings who were originally created in God's image were placed on earth as stewards, as I mentioned last week, valued most by God out of all creation are now or have become worthless. So we were so high in terms of God's creation. We were the highest. Remember, we were mentioned Twice, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Highest of all God's creations. Now Paul refers to us as worthless. Check out Romans 3, 9 to 12. Whoever has their phone on, you're missing the point. You're missing the mark. 3, 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Nope, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under Sin. And again, when you look at sin, what is that? They're both missing the point, right? They're both missing the mark. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, 11. No one understands. No one seeks for God. 12, all have turned aside together and have become what? No one does good, not even one. So from the highest of all creations, 
to becoming worthless. Now, what does, Paul, what does Paul mean by being worthless? Does being worthless mean that we have lost our value? You're worthless. Does that mean that you have lost your value? Uh, in the original Greek, the word used for worthless is the word akerio. Akerio, which means to make useless, to become corrupt, dirty, or literally to become sour when it's used to describe milk. When milk has gone bad, it's still milk. You can't use it anymore. Right? Is it mine? It's somebody's. Because it's not mine. <laughs> You're making me sin. You're making me lose my way. So when, when, you, when, it says, when Paul says you become worthless, it doesn't mean you've lost your value. Otherwise, God wouldn't save us. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? There's still that intrinsic value in us as human beings because as created human beings, that's what we have. We have the breath of God, image of God in us. Right? So we have, it doesn't mean we've lost our value. We've lost our usefulness. That's what Paul means by being worthless. And so in the beginning, man had a purpose. Right? What's, the, what's man's purpose? To display and fill the earth with the image of God as God's image bearers. That's why he said to Adam and Eve, go be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with my image. But since the fall, man's sin or man's failure to be what God created him to be made them useless as far as God's intended purpose. Why? Because how are you going to display the value or the, the image of God if you're not like God? Who's perfect? You can't anymore. None of us can anymore, right? Can't do that anymore. So in that sense, our purpose is useless. You can't be used like that anymore, right? Instead, what did, they, what, what did man do? We became tools at the hands of Satan. So what happened? God created us for a purpose. Sin came. Satan used us for a different purpose which was not our original purpose, right? Let me give you an example. A butter knife. You know what a butter knife is? I think for, for, for Filipinos, any knife is a butter knife, right? So it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is probably the wrong illustration, right? Because <laughs> Filipinos, they use a, a butcher knife to cut butter. It doesn't matter. Spread. <laughs> but there, you know the butter knife that I'm talking about? It's not the steak knife. I know some of us use it as steak knife as well. No, that's just a butter knife. So some people use butter knife for different uses. Right? It's supposed to be for butter. It's supposed to take butter and spread it on your toast. But what do we use it for? Screwdriver. I can't find my screwdriver. Let me use the butter knife to get the screws. Right? Well, you have pens. Pens? Anybody with an old school pen with a cap? You know those pens with a cap? That cap, what is it supposed to do? What is, what is it for? To cover the pen. But what do we use it for? Don't tell me, it's just me. I want you to pick your teeth with it. Don't give it. Everybody does that. That's why you're laughing. That's the, but that's not what it's for. It's to cover it's to cover the pen. You use to pick your ear. That's dangerous. You're going to go deaf. <laughs> right? That's what happens. 
Go back to the butter knife illustration. People not only use it to, for a screwdriver, people use it as a weapon. A butter knife. You can't get killed with a butter knife. So it was created for a certain purpose, but because of sin, us as human beings, we're not being used for a different purpose. Instead of fi finding our enjoyment in God, we find it in other things. Instead of giving our worship to God, we give it to other things, other people. It could be your wife. It could be your children. It could be your car. It could be. That's why it's okay to love everything now. You can love your dog now. <laughs> Not saying that that's wrong. But, you know, sometimes we give that dog too much love. You know what I'm saying? It's a dog. Treat it as a dog. It'll live better. <laughs> right? That's what happened. We've lost our purpose. We were supposed to be human beings who created for God's glory with God's image. But ever since sin, we have lost our purpose. We have lost our, uh, you know, our, our, our use as far as God's kingdom is concerned. And this is the spiritual state of all human beings after Adam and Eve. Remember I, I mentioned role reversals? Yeah, same thing. Reversing roles, reversing purposes, changing purposes. That's exactly what happened. Everything got turned upside down. Right? Upside down, inside out. So God's original design for us to worship him and to take care of creation and each other has turned into rebellion against God and against creation and against each other. Just like what I was saying earlier. Who was responsible for global warming? Who was responsible for, uh, you know, weather changing now because of global warming? Who's responsible for that? If you watch documentaries, some people, oh, it's the factories. It's the, 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 the pollution. And then there's another documentary I saw. No, it's not pollution. It's the gas of cows. That's the biggest thing that's polluting the air. Cow, utot. Okay. The fart of cows. Or the, 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 the gases that come out of their poop. That's the number one thing that's polluting the air. What? How is that? Well, just drive around. See how many McDonald's you see. Burger Kings. Every, this serves burgers. That serves beef. Drive around. See how much. How are we supposed to keep up with demand if we don't raise more cows? Well, because there's so much demand, so much cows, so much poop, so much farts, the ozone gets affected. What about that? Who's in, whose fault is that? The farmers? They want to make more money? Whose fault? Who here goes to Jollibee McDonald's? Our fault. We're the ones buying into this stuff. Not saying we shouldn't eat anymore, but eat that much? <laughs> right? Animal extinction. Why are sharks being extinct? Turtles, whales. Huh? You go to restaurants, same thing. Who are they serving it to? Themselves? It's just to make money? No. It's because we buy. We're consumers. That's we consume. <laughs> but that's see how it affects everything? Right? 
modern slavery, human trafficking. I talked about this last week. How are some of these um, countries that uh, are under authoritarian rule, how are they making their money? Black market? Is it? Or are they selling slaves? Most of them are selling slaves, right? They're sending their people to different countries to work, and then they take their salaries for themselves. That's what's happening. Guess where they're working? Fabric companies, construction companies. The one that got me was the fabric companies. They work at this one place where they make jackets and fabrics. And they're working, they're using slaves to work their factories. Slaves that they do get paid, but their pay doesn't go to them. It goes to the government where they live. And they're under threat that if they run away, their families will, will be punished. So they can't run away. So these people are making jackets. Guess for which companies? Because that company that they're working for distributes to other companies. Mind you, that, that company that hires slaves is hiring for a reason. Because slaves are cheaper. And guess where that savings is transferred to? To the consumer. Every time we go to a factory outlet, every time you go to a sale, oh, there's a sale. But that's what we're doing. We're supporting these institutions working on the backs of slaves. Somebody's got to pay. Nothing is for free. You ever heard that uh, saying? There's nothing for free in the world, right? Somebody's paying for the savings that you have. You know, save 20% off. Somebody paid for that. <laughs> save 50% off. Sale. Factory sale. Somebody paid for that. People are using human beings. They're not supposed to be used as slaves. They're using human beings as slaves. Then we're going to go, ah, they're bad. Those people, bad. There's a sale at uh, Zara. Let's go. There's a sale at Banana Republic. Let's go. Where do you think those things are being made? I'm not going to mention any countries because uh, I know some people, oh, I'm not going to buy anything made from that country anymore. That's not my point. My point is us people, we were created for a purpose, and that is not to make jackets and not to be slaves. But because of sin, that's what's going on. Right? And you see how big it, uh, how wide the, the, it, it encompasses the sin encompasses everything that we do. I was telling my wife, like, should I? So does, does that mean that we can't buy anything made from, you know, anymore? <laughs> I didn't say anything, so don't. I'm going to get in trouble if I say it. Should we continue to support these products, these companies that hire people to make stuff for them? Meanwhile, we know some of them are, should we stop doing that? What, what's going to happen if we do? What's going to happen if everything was made in Canada? 
Think about it. What's going to happen? All prices will go up. Why? Because workers here, they have to have safety. They have to have, well, uh, what is this? Uh, good wage, yeah? Minimum wage. They're raising minimum wage again, by the way. Uh, we have to have some kind of nice facility. It has to be a certain standard. So the money that's being spent on all of that is going to, again, translate back to the consumer. They have to pay for it now because nobody else is paying for it. We have to pay for it. What's the reaction of people when all of a sudden prices go up? <laughs> oh, the government. Ah! But we're trying to end slavery. Ah! Oh, you are? <laughs> but that's, isn't that what's going on? And then that's why there's this dilemma when it comes to the economy. Why are things being made from your iPhones? Who's got iPhones? Right? I got one. Where is it? It says designed in California. Made in where? <laughs> no, but see, I just want you to open your eyes to this, okay? This is what's happening in the world Today, this is the, the sin that Adam and Eve started when they reversed the roles. This is what's going on now, and it's been going on for decades, hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not like slavery is new. It's not new. It's been, it's been going on forever. But that's what's happening. So that culture that Adam started of sinners, it's not just people doing bad things. The root of sin is deep in a person's heart, mind, and soul. That's impossible to get this thing out. You can't and still call yourself a human being. You can't get rid of sin and still call yourself a human being. Remember that clay illustration I used last week? I, I, last week I said, if you had two clays, one green and one uh, blue, if you, or sorry, one, red, uh, one yellow, one blue. If you mix those two clays, it becomes one color, green. I use that as an illustration for marriage because that's what marriage does. It takes two people, turns them into one flesh, one color. That's, it's inseparable. That's what God said. Sin is the same way. <laughs> if you're born human, so human father, human mother, that's you. They mixed, you came out. Whatever they had, you have. That's how God created. God created by kinds, right? He created the, the birds of the, the, the kind, the animals of the air, the animals of the water, animals of land. It's all by kind. What does that mean? That these kinds, they all have the same characteristics. So if you call yourself a dog, you have a tail, you crawl on four, all fours, you got canines coming out of your, that, that's, you're a dog. If you call yourself a duck, if it quacks, yeah, it's a duck. Human beings, what, what do we have? Two arms, two, le two legs, two eyes. We can walk up straight, and we have sin. Got passed on to us. And it's like that clay, right? When that happened, it was all mixed together. We're all just one kind now, sinners. <laughs> and you can't get rid of that. If you read the whole Bible, even those who came after Adam and Eve in Genesis, in the Genesis account, had this trait. 
embedded deep inside of them. And I'm going to go back to my leaven illustration. Remember, we're, we're in this thing because of the leaven. What is leaven again? It's an agent, like bacteria, that, that, that makes dough rise. And it infiltrates. It, it works itself into whatever it touches. That's what happened when Adam first sinned. We'll call it the leaven of Adam. The leaven of Adam. Remember how they make bread back in the biblical times? What do they do? They take a leavened piece of dough, they leave a bit, a little piece, and then include that again in a big batch of dough so that that new dough will become leavened over time, right? So it started with one man, one piece of leaven that sinned. Now it's, what, seven billion? That's what happened. That's why everybody that came after Adam has this leaven of Adam deep inside them. It was passed from generation to generation. So much so, even those human beings that God used over the course of redemptive history were infected with the leaven of Adam. What am I talking about? Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, sons of Jacob, all the way up to King David were all leavened with the leaven of Adam when it comes to their sin. That's why none of them, even though they were used by God as prophets, as uh, representatives, they never completed what they were supposed to do. Some of them died. Some of them fell off. They never finished what God's purpose for them was because that's just human beings. We're, we're failures, right? Because of sin, we, we tend to fail. And that's what happened to all these people. Psalm 51.5, what does it say? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Who was that? Who's talking? Psalm 51.5. They're not flashing it. But anyway, Psalm 51.5, who's talking? David, what, why, why is he saying that? Why is he saying I was brought forth in iniquity? I was born this way. And in my sin did my mother, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What, 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 what is he saying? Psalm 51. He just sinned, right? What, what, what was his sin? Bathsheba. And he equated it to that. I was, I was born like this. Right? Ecclesiastes 7.20. Whoever is up the, uh, in the booth. Nobody's in the booth. Sinners. Uh, <laughs> they're missing the point. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.20. I'll just read it. So surely there is not one righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. This is Solomon. The, the wisest man on the earth. He's saying nobody is that wise that he never sins. We all do. Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds, even our righteous deeds, are like a polluted garment. You know what the polluted garment is? That's the, it's like pads nowadays. That's what they're talking about. That's how dirty, right? Because the, the, the Jews, blood for them, blood is dirty. If you're, if you're a woman and you're having your period, you're considered that, right? Unclean. We fade like a leaf in, all, in our iniquities, like the wind. Take us away. Right? That's all us. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And you, dead. 
We're dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were nature, by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is us. We're all that way. Right? Carrying out the desires of the body. Doesn't matter what consequence. Doesn't matter if I hurt anybody. Doesn't matter what the outcome is. I'm going to justify my actions. Right? Not going to listen. That's us. This is the state of all human beings. We're all prone to failure. We're all prone to keep losing our way. If the leaven of Adam is in all of us and it is embedded in us so deep that this is impossible to remove, then how are we going to be saved? How are we going to be saved? How can God separate that? How can God kill that part of us and save the human beings? And again, this is not God being just angry. You know what? I'm going to get rid of everybody. Well, actually, he did that once during the flood. What did he say after that? No more. Because if you look at Genesis 3, here's the good news. Look at Genesis 3 in our text. By the way, we're just getting into our text. That was all intro. Genesis 3. I learned my lesson. I don't want anybody to die sleeping. Genesis 3. Look at the curses. After Adam and Eve sinned, look at the curses that God gave to first the snake, Eve, and Adam. The Lord God, or let's start with 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, Hey, serpent, deceived me, I ate. Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, all, and thus you shall eat all the days of your life. That's the first thing. Cursed are you. The serpent, the actual serpent was cursed. Keep that in mind. Part of his curse is this. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Enmity, gap. Between you and the woman. And between your offspring and hers. Who's the offspring of the serpent? Sinners. There's a gap between the sinners, offspring of the serpent, and we're like, oh no, that's all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Serpent's offspring. There's a gap between them and the offspring of the woman. There's a gap. I'll put enmity between you and them. And your offsprings will have enmity. They're never going to get along. And then it says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Who's the he that he's talking about? The offspring of the woman. Okay? Meaning the woman... We only have one offspring? No. Well, what does that mean? We'll get to that. The offspring of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bite him on the heel. Same word used for bruise, right? Bruise, bruise means destroy. 
The offspring of the woman will destroy the head, and the serpent will destroy the offspring. That's the curse on the serpent. Actual serpent was cursed. Now what about the woman? To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In your pain or in pain, you shall bear, bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Any curses? Did it say there, I curse the woman? No. There was no curse. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time bearing kids, but I think even if they didn't sin, it would have been the same thing. How else could it have done, right? Have done it. But it says there, you shall, you know, pain in childbearing. And that last part, is that a curse? That desire shall be contrary to your husband and he shall rule over you? That could be a curse if that's the kind of woman you are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's not a curse. But if that's you and you're not going to listen to God's design and you're not going to follow the design of God as, as woman being helper, man being head, then that's you. Then it could be a curse. But God didn't intend for it as a curse. Because he wants to correct the woman. Do you get it? Am I just being sexist here? But do you understand? That's, that's what that means. So the woman it's herself wasn't cursed. Now look at Adam. To the man. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curses you. No. Cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles you shall bring. See, even that. That's the gospel. Man wasn't cursed. Something else was cursed. For man. And at the same time, that thing that was cursed for man shall still give him food to eat. Yeah, you have to work for it, but it's still going to supply your needs. I don't know if people are putting two and two together here, but that, do you see that? That's how good God is. He never cursed the humans. In fact, he used them to provide salvation. Ultimately, if you know the story, right? He never cursed the woman. He never cursed the man. He cursed work. Right? It says there, work is going to be hard, right? By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, until you die. For out of it you were taken, dust, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Work is cursed. Right? But you can still redeem work. If you get redeemed, your work will be redeemed. Amen? I don't care what kind of job you do. But I am getting... But do you see what's going on? So even though we were broken, even though we were busted up, even though we're useless... God never just threw us out and discarded us. He never cursed man or woman. Imagine what that is. And it, he didn't just not curse them. He bought them back. This is where the redemption history starts. Imagine you, oh man. Imagine if you were buying something. 
Like, I, I'm picky when it comes to buying. I check everything. When I buy a clothes, I check the seams. No, no, some, a, a needle's coming out. No, give me a new one. You ever go to a store like that? You try out a pair of shoes, and then after trying on those shoes, no, give me a new one from the back. Or <laughs> glasses, right? Oh, this is nice. It fits me. Okay, give me a new one. I want a brand new one. I don't want anything touched. Imagine God. God's perfect, holy. Right? He just, and this is what, I'll, I'll get to that later. He just created these people. <laughs> brand new. No sin, clean. Then somebody corrupted them. Easy for us to say just, there's lots of dust on earth. <laughs> I could just make more dust. But don't you feel that thing in you when you're brand new? Eli just got rear-ended on Friday. Brand new car. Rear-ended. Eli can't even look at it. It hurts. It's brand new. Imagine how God feels. You feel like that with a car. Imagine how God feels with his creatures. Brand new. Corrupted by this crawling thing. Our sinful mind, we'll just want to throw that out. That's why I hear a lot of people when, when, you, when you hear about the communist countries and you hear about the poor, especially the poor. Our instinct is always to get rid of these people. Yeah. Poor? Uh, what happened in the Philippines? Drug addicts? Kill everybody. The poor. Uh, when they started tenting out downtown, what did we do? Kill everybody. Is that godly? Like, is that how God treated you? I was telling this to, I think last week, we were talking about abortion. What makes abortion right? It's it's wrong no matter what. Right? Why? Because there's value in human life. You can't just get rid of it. You know, sometimes it's, that's the easiest thing to do, right? You know what? This person is just, you know, every time you see that person, you just want to strangle them. That's, that's that feeling of just wanting to get rid of this problem. But look how God treated. He's the creator. He owns everything. Look how he treated us. Because if it weren't for Adam and Eve, we wouldn't be here. Meanwhile, we treat each other like that. Poor? I don't want to see poor. Needy? Why are you so needy? Victim, victim blame. I, I'm like that. Maybe the reason why he's like that is because he's a drug addict. Or maybe the reason he's like is because he's lazy. Why are we like that? Because that's the easiest way to do it. But meanwhile, we were created in the image of God. And again, reversal of roles. We were supposed to take care of each other as human beings. And look what's happening. We're not taking advantage of each other instead of taking care. And this whole thing is because of what happened in the garden, that sin that was embedded in Adam, that mentality of I'm God, embedded in everybody else. It's so embedded, sometimes we can't. How do you get rid of it? How is it? We'll talk about that next week. I want you guys to think about this this whole week. 
I want you guys to look around you. Just like what I said last week, read the news. Look what's going on around you. Listen to some of these stories. And you will see the state of man. And hopefully when you do that and then you hear about the good news, it will become more valuable, more weighty. And even though I'm like this, even though I'm busted up, broken, even though I'm worthless, God still did what he had to do in order to redeem us back. And the sad part is that you see it in ourselves that we wouldn't do that. Think about that for next week. Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. Give you peace, and give you peace, the Lord.